0: The city of Providenciales. Here is tonight's Nations Report. With Zoya Fessler.
1: It's the middle of the week, Wednesday, March 29, 2023. Here's a look at the news today. Accused killer found not guilty. Deputy Governor Anya Williams sworn in as acting governor of the TCI. Brazil hit 700,000 virus deaths, the second highest in the world. Guyana welcomes British Airways. Greece's prime minister calls elections for May. A look at the latest in sports and your weather forecast. Join me for those stories and more. Welcome to RTC 89.1 FM for another newscast. I am Zoya Fassler. A verdict of not guilty was handed down in the trial of Shaquant Walkin for the August 2020 murder of Florida native Matthew Flores. After a one-week trial this month, Walkin's attorney, Sheena Maier, filed an application that the prosecution had failed to present a case against her client. That application was accepted by Justice Davidson-Baptiste and the jury was directed to return a verdict of not guilty. On November 17, 2020, Shaquant Walkin and Myron Pereira were arrested, charged with murder, discharging firearm, discharging ammunition, possession of firearm with intent to endanger life, and carrying firearm. Pereira was discharged following submissions by his attorney, leaving Walkin to face the murder charge all alone. The Crown did not oppose the Defense counsel's no-case submission against Walkin. 39-year-old Matthew Flores was gunned down on August 5, 2020, shortly around 11 p.m. as he and another person were said to have been changing a tire on a vehicle in the vicinity of the Beaches roundabout on Leeward Highway in Providenciales. Reports at the time was that two masked men in a vehicle approached the duo, opening fire before quickly fleeing the scene. Flores was fatally shot and died at the scene. Now, as previously reported, His Excellency the Governor Nigel Dakin's time is expiring. Today, we saw history made as the Deputy Governor Anya Williams was sworn into the title of Acting Governor of the TCI. This is the first time a Deputy Governor will act in this capacity for this duration. Williams will be Acting Governor for a full quarter before we swear in the new Governor in June. A church service was held at St. Monica's earlier today with His Excellency Dakin officially handing over office and duties to Her Excellency Anya Williams.
2: On behalf of the Cabinet and the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands, I would like today to express our profound thanks to our outgoing Governor, His Excellency Nigel Dakin, and his wife Mandy Dakin for their service to our islands. His Excellency, arrived on July 14, 2014, and was appointed the following day as the governor of the Turks and Caicos Islands. He is to be noted as one of the longest-serving governors in recent years, and his appointment will probably be noted as one of the most eventful. In March 2020, the Turks and Caicos Islands was confronted with a pandemic. In February 2021, an election and a change in government during a pandemic In September 2022, the passing of Her Late Royal Highness, Queen Elizabeth II, and also the passage of Hurricane Fiona, while the Premier and the Governor were both in the UK attending the funeral of Her Late Royal Highness. Possibly the most notable challenge was recently the serious fight in violent crime during the last quarter of 2022. On a personal yet sad note, during their service to these islands, Mandy sadly lost her father in May 2020, and in January 2021, the governor lost his father as well, which was an extremely difficult occasion for the both of them and their families. Notwithstanding this, as life is filled with highs and lows, I want to take some time to focus on the highs during the governor's tenure. In June 2020, the governor announced the appointment of the first commanding officer of the Turks and Caicos Islands Regiment which paved the way for the establishment of a full-fledged regiment here in the Turks and Caicos Islands. In April 2022, he visited Windsor Castle for his investiture ceremony, which had been delayed since 2020, to receive his CMG from the now King Charles. In September 2022, from the steps of Waterloo and Grand Turk, he proclaimed the King. In February 2023, the Turks and Caicos Islands had its first royal visit in over 50 years with the visit of the now Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. And now, in March 2023, Governor Nigel Dakin bids farewell to the Turks and Caicos Islands after three years, eight months, and 116 meetings of the Cabinet of the Turks and Caicos Islands. We also express our profound thanks to Mrs. Mandy Dakin for her service to these islands and for the remarkable work that she has done with the Red Cross, the prison, and other NGOs here in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Governor Nigel and Mandy, you both have made a lasting impression on these islands. And as you embark on this new journey in your lives, we wish you well and be we safe. a profound thank you. As I stand here today, I am honored to be here as the acting governor of the Turks and Caicos Islands, my beloved home, for the period March 29th to June 29, 2023. On November 3, 2003, I joined the Turks and Caicos Islands public service. And on October 15, 2012, I was appointed as the second deputy governor of the Turks and Caicos Islands. During my tenure as deputy governor over the last 10 years, I have worked directly with four different governors, three elected governments, and have acted in the capacity of the governor of the Turks and Capers Islands a total of 855 calendar days. Today, I give thanks first and foremost to God for his continued blessings on my life and for allowing me to be where I am today. I am grateful to the Foreign and Commonwealth and Development Office, the FCDO, in particular, the Director of the Overseas Territories Director, Mr. Paul Candler, and Deputy Director, Mr. Adam Pyle for the confidence placed in me to allow me to assume the role of governor of these islands for this prolonged period. I express my thanks to the premier and to the captain of the Turks and Caicos Islands, the executive management team, and the entire civil service of the Turks and Caicos Islands, all past and present, for their hard work, dedication, and support. As together, there is much that we have done and that we will continue to achieve. Leadership is not easy. It requires a lot of support, both on a professional and a personal level. And so today, I last, but most importantly, must express my profound thanks to my husband, Darren, my children, Darius, Cassandra, and Brooke, as well as my parents, Pastor Dennis and Deborah Swan, my siblings, my aunts, my uncles, cousins, and extended family and friends for your unwavering support, love, and encouragement throughout the years.
1: We would like to thank His Excellency Nigel Dakin for the work that he has done in the Turks and Caicos Islands, and we are quite sure that Her Excellency Anya Williams will continue to fill those shoes for the next three months. Now, Flow TCI says they are working diligently to restore and upgrade their network throughout the Turks and Caicos Islands. The telecommunication company announced that the transmission upgrade project, which forms part of the company's ongoing restoration exercise, has entered its final stages. The completion of the project is expected to eliminate Alleviate the concerns raised by residents in Grand Turk who have been experiencing a degradation in mobile and broadband services. A date of completion for the capacity upgrade in the nation's capital is set for May 4, 2023. Flow's technical team has already started work on the Ambergris Key site and has successfully completed the migration of customers to a new transmission link. The team is continuing to monitor network performance. Additional maintenance was scheduled for Saturday, March 25th in Grand Turk and Monday, March 27th in Salt Key works are still ongoing for the next few weeks. While the ongoing work is not expected to majorly impact customer services, FLOW is asking residents to be prepared for intermittent minor degradations in service levels. The FLOW team will alert residents via SMS and social media on the start and completion of the scheduled maintenance works and will conduct the necessary checks on the ground to verify network stabilization. That's it for local news, regional news is up next. Brazil's government on Tuesday reported the 700,000th death from COVID-19 in the South American nation, which now has the second most victims of the virus, after the United States. Brazilian health experts say most people dying of COVID-19 in recent days are either unvaccinated or suffer from other debilitating diseases. Miguel Lago, executive director of Brazil's Institute for Health Policy Studies, which advises public health officials, said the figure is a reminder of the country's obligation to punish those who fail to act against the virus or sabotage those who were trying. After migrants in northern Mexico placed mattresses against the bars of their detention cell and set them on fire, guards quickly walked away and made no apparent attempt to release the men before smoke filled the room and killed at least 40. The fire was started by migrants in protest after learning they would be deported. Hours after the fire broke out late Monday, rows of bodies were laid out under shimmery silver sheets outside the immigration detention facility in Ciudad Juarez, which is across the U.S. border from El Paso, Texas, and a major crossing point for migrants. Twenty-nine people were injured and were in delicate, serious condition, according to the National Immigration Institute. At the time of the blaze, 68 men from Central and South America were being held at the facility. Immigration authorities identified the dead and injured as being from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Venezuela, Colombia, and Ecuador, according to a statement from the Mexican Attorney General's office. Guatemala's foreign affairs minister said that 28 of the dead were Guatemalan citizens. The deaths forced the government to rent refrigerated trailers to hold the migrants' bodies. The detention facility is located across the street from Juarez's City Hall. Mexico has emerged as the world's third most popular destination for asylum seekers after the United States and Germany. But it is still largely a country that migrants pass through on their way to the United States. Now, Guyana on Monday night welcomed the arrival of an inaugural British Airways flight from London. Connecting the world to Guyana remains a priority for the government as they see Guyana as an active part of a global travel network and are continually engaging major airlines with a view to encourage them to serve the destination. The government is also committed to expanding the airport facilities. Among the passengers on the inaugural flight at the Chedi Jagan International Airport, were the United Kingdom's Minister for the Caribbean and the Americas, David Rutley, and St. Lucia's Tourism, Investment, Creative Industries, Culture and Information Minister, Dr. Ernest Hilaire. The airline will service the route twice weekly with one stop in St. Lucia. It was last year that London announced Guyanese nationals would be allowed visa-free entry into the European country for up to 180 days. UK Minister Rutley said he would be using his visit to also launch a new chamber of commerce as well which will then help to cement those relationships at the business level. The UK High Commissioner to Guyana Jane Miller said the inaugural flight is not only the culmination of hard work at the business and diplomatic levels but also a personal win for so many people. That wraps up regional news. International news is up next. Greece's Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis called a May 21st general election Tuesday as his party's long-standing lead in opinion polls has declined in the aftermath of the country's worst train disaster. A February 28th collision between a passenger train and a freight train in northern Greece left 57 people dead. The disaster stirred public anger, cutting the conservative New Democracy Party's support by a half point to four points over its left-wing main rival, Syriza. 55-year-old Mitsotakis, the son of the late former Prime Minister Konstantin Mitsotakis, has remained popular throughout his four-year term, which was due to end in July of this year. But more recently, his reputation has been dented by allegations of wiretapping by state security services, as well as the government's failure to protect rail network safety. The election he called is not considered early because it is within six months of the end of his mandate. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un has called for his nuclear scientists to increase production of weapons grade material to make bombs to put on his increasing range of weapons. North Korean photos of the meeting also showed what appeared to be a small new tactical warhead that was possibly designed to fit on a variety of delivery systems developed in recent years to overwhelm South Korean defenses. North Korea's weapons tests and U.S. South Korea military exercises have intensified in a tit-for-tat cycle, underscoring heightened tensions in the region. Officials say North Korea could further move in coming weeks or months with more provocative displays of its military nuclear program, possibly including its first test detonation of a nuclear device since September 2017. Kim Jong-un also examined the country's established plans for nuclear counterattacks as scientists briefed him on the North's latest nuclear-capable weapon system and progress in technologies for mounting nuclear warheads on missiles. Kim's calls for boosting bomb fuel production came days after Russian President Vladimir Putin announced plans to station tactical nuclear weapons in neighboring country Belarus in what was seen as a warning to the West as it increases military support for Ukraine. While aligning with Russia over its invasion of Ukraine, North Korea has stressed three-way cooperation with Moscow and Beijing to confront a new Cold War waged by U.S. imperialists who it accuses of bringing the conflict to Asia by stepping up military activities with Seoul and Tokyo. North Korea already is coming off a record year in weapons testing, launching more than 70 missiles in 2022. It had set into law an escalatory nuclear doctrine that authorizes preemptive nuclear strikes in a broad range of scenarios where it may perceive its leadership as under threat. That wraps up World News Sports is up next. Last Saturday, we saw Team TCI defeat the U.S. Virgin Islands in the CONCACAF Nations League 1-0 at home on the TCI Football Academy field. The team then traveled to Bonaire on Sunday where they played Bonaire on Tuesday night. A fiery matchup as Team TCI is away from home. However, the boys came with a vengeance and defeated Bonaire in a final score of 2-1. Captain Billy Forbes would score Team TCI's two
2: goals of the match. Um, the game was good. The game started good. Um, we had a game plan and we executed the game plan really well, um, So, which is good. I'm proud of the guys and I'm proud of the new coaching staff we brought in. So it's it's looking good for us. Um, everything was great, um, but in terms of like us plan, um, we had a
0: game plan which we executed really well. I think the the results we have earned ourselves are off the back of a lot of hard work that the guys have been putting in behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. Um, a lot of sacrifice and time, and you know we juggle things between school. Some some guys have school, some guys have work, so. We have to juggle a lot of things and um, to give up their time and effort to help get results for the island is, is massively appreciated by everyone. So, like Billy said, we, we try and put together a game plan in every game we go towards and we need to execute that together as a team and these guys have, have done it perfectly in the last two games. In a few words, I'm excited, I'm an elated for the team. But you know, I must say that the football association, the Turks and Caicos Islands Football Association, are, they are consistent in their efforts. I must say they groom our young boys and girls from as early as four years old. And uh, what we are doing now is reaping the rewards of the hard work that's been put on by the team. On Saturday, we were in this, at the stadium and we witnessed the victory against the U.S. Virgin Islands. I didn't understand much of the game. I just wanted to see the ball get into the net. That's all I wanted to see, nothing else. Get in, and they did that. I think what was demonstrated on the field is that our students have indeed been practicing. They've been resilient in their efforts. And when you look at them, the physical structure of our boys, you could tell that they are in the gym working out. Endurance. Endurance is key whenever you're playing those kind of games. And I could see when the other team was probably saying timeout, our boys weren't running for no timeout. They wanted to play continuously, and I was proud of that. So I just want to say a special thanks to our the captain of the team, Billy, who doesn't live in the trucks and Caicos Islands, but you know what I realize? He never forgets us. When it's time for us to complete on a regional or international scale, he is always here. Kudos!
1: Yay! Congratulations, Team TCI, we are extremely proud. And keeping with soccer news, Argentina's national soccer team training facility has been renamed after Captain Lionel Messi in recognition of his World Cup heroics. La Casa de Iziza in Buenos Aires, which houses the national team setup, will now be known as Lionel Andres Messi in tribute to the best player in the world. Messi ended Argentina's 36-year wait for the World Cup title when he led the team to victory against France in Qatar in December 2022. The World Cup was one of the pieces of silverware missing from Messi's career, during which he has been voted world's best player a record seven times, won the Copa America, 11 league titles, and four championships league titles, among other major honors. Messi scored his 800th career goal in Thursday's 2-0 win over Panama in a friendly matchup in Buenos Aires. This was Argentina's first game in front of home fans since their World Cup victory. And for regional sports, Trinidadian Olympian Jasane Philip will return to court on April 24th after being granted 300000 Trinidadian dollars bail on firearm and drug-related charges. Philip, 31 years old, appeared virtually before Senior Magistrate Armina Dionarinsing in the San Fernando court on three charges, including possession of a firearm, possession of ammunition, and possession of marijuana. He was ordered to surrender both his Trinidad and Tobago and United States passports and to report to a police station every Wednesday. That was a look at the latest in sports. Weather is up next. cloudy skies with intervals of sunshine, highs of 80 degrees and lows of 74. Winds coming from the east-southeast at 10 to 20 miles per hour. Humidity levels are at 80 percent. A less than 20 percent chance of rain is expected. That was your weather forecast for today. Recapping the news for today, accused killer found not guilty. Deputy Governor Anya Williams sworn in as acting governor of the TCI. Brazil hits 700,000 virus deaths, second highest in the world. Guyana welcomes British Airways. Greece Prime Minister calls elections for May. Before we go, a reminder to the general public that the House of Assembly sitting will be broadcast on Radio Turks and Gagas tomorrow, Thursday, March 30th. We will resume broadcasting interprimary school sports on Friday. That was a look at your Wednesday newscast. Thanks so much for tuning in to RTC 89.1 FM, The Nation Station. If you missed today's presentation, you can always visit our website at www.rtc89fm com or download our RTC app in the Google Play Store to listen to the news or your favorite shows. Have a good evening. I am Soya Fassler.
0: Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.